So when you first got to varsity at Waltrip, who was the first person to bust you up and welcome you to varsity football? Uh, it's a couple of stories, but uh, I'll choose one real quick. Um, it was actually a good friend of mine, Emmanuel Stevens. He ended up going to uh, play in the NFL for a few years and everything. Uh, he was defensive end. I was left tackle. I remember we're doing this Monday. So it's like the first thing we do are walkthroughs. All right. So we're, we're, you know, we're walking through, talking to offense, who we're going to go again. And then, all right, let's run it. And then coach says, hey, we're going about 50%. So everybody knows you go 50%, you're just kind of going through the motions, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, Emmanuel, he just had, he was just like a JJY. He just had an engine. He just went all the time, 120%. That was his motto. And so uh, not the brightest guy, but the hardest working dude on the field by, by far. So anyway, we get down and left tackle is a passing play. I kind of do my little slow stands up and then Emmanuel goes right around me as fast as he can. And I'm looking like, oh, crap. Damn, he's the quarterback. And then, so first of all, you're not supposed to hit a quarterback. And so the coaches are getting mad. And even don't hit the quarterback. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we get back. Like, Run it again. And I said, Manuel, 50%. Okay, okay, okay. Said, hit, shoot, right around me. Wham, hits the quarterback again. <laughs> I was like, Emmanuel. And then so they, now the other name, Manuel, my lineman coach is, what's your problem, Mary? You're just not in the mood today, bro. And so I'm like, we're, we're supposed to be going 50 But you don't talk back to coach. So you're just like, I said, Emmanuel, we're going 50%, right? Yeah, yeah 50%. And then I, I see him digging in the grass. I said, man, he's not going 50%. So then the whole walk through me and Emmanuel are just dogging it out 100% each. And <laughs> everybody else is just kind of just standing there going through a bunch. And I was like, and that's when I knew, like, this is real. Like, <laughs> there's no plays off here. <laughs> I always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, so you are, you, are, you are, you know, for the city through and through Look, Looking at your biography and where you went to school I mean, you, you've been here in Houston uh, the entire time You were born and raised in Houston, Texas, kind of in the Aldean area And one thing that I really appreciate, Adam I'm so excited that you came on here And, you know, I know you guys can't see this, but I always wear a jersey whenever I, to welcome my guests. I find out who their favorite athlete is, and I collect jerseys. So I've, I've got my Hakeem Olajuwon jersey. We'll talk more about that. But Adam Ramirez showed up in a jersey today, so I'm, I'm really happy to see that. Didn't know you played left tackle, man. That's all, I was also an offensive tackle in high school. So I think we got a lot in common, but you, you grew up in the Aldine area. That's, that's where I coached, you know, most recently in Aldine High School. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, another thing that you did share with me, and I, that's why I'm so excited to have you on, you were very candid about your parents' struggle, your mom's struggle with alcohol and drug addiction, your father's struggle with addiction as well, and also, you know, committing, you know, crimes that he's, he's serving time for. And I just, I was so impressed by that. And I, you told me that you use that to, to, you know, teach your kids. So just, let, let's kind of dive in a little bit about your upbringing and your experience growing up in the Alden area and, and having those, those trials and tribulations as a youngster. 
Yeah, so um, yeah, growing up, so uh, early on, you know, I, I lived with my dad, but my dad didn't have his own place because, again, he was always in and out of jobs and this and that. So we basically lived with my his parents, uh, which were my, you know, our grandparents, and we we when we first moved in there. Technically, we were supposed to just stay there for a weekend. We were staying with my mom, living with my mom, and they dropped us off for the weekend. Well, a weekend turned into like two years. So uh, we we're in a garage apartment. It was all you know five six, seven of us in a garage, one bedroom garage apartment. Uh, and then that, when they realized my mom wasn't really going to come back and get us, then they're like, okay, well, we need to move the house. And that's when we moved to Aldine. And like I said, it, you know, uh, parents were, you know, in the drugs. I remember my, uh, my dad used to grow, he grows on wheat plants, but he would tell us as kids, they're lemon trees. And then so he said, oh, where are you going? We're growing lemon trees. And one day, and I remember in elementary, uh, we had the D.A.R.E. program. And so they, yeah. they had a police officer there, no. going through everything. <laughs> and then he's they're going through the pictures. And then he's like, they, they show the weed pit. And I said, that's a lemon tree. <laughs> and McGruff, they, the crime dog, was probably looking at you side eye. <laughs> and then I was like, ha, just kidding. <laughs> and then so I ended up going back home. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, those aren't lemon plants, are they? You mean so? I said, those are marijuana plants <laughs> and he's like all right don't, don't, don't tell your brother and sister but yeah and then uh so they, you know he would grow you know grow plants and all that and they'd you know sell and deal here and there and and uh you know my mom was like i said she was you know in and out of, out of uh around our lives um up until my fifth grade year my grandpa was actually my step-grandpa uh he wasn't much older than my dad i think he was about 10 years older than my dad so they used to party all the time. They, you know, they drink and listen to Metallica music. And <laughs> on the school night, I'd be, I just got, I got a test tomorrow, man. Come on, man. And so anyway, they would listen to all that. And then uh, one time, one day, they got into it. My my grandpa pulled a knife out on my dad, and my dad beat him up. So then he said, "Well, get out of my house, you and your kids." And I was like, I just remember being woken up like midnight and sleepy eyed and everything. He's like, "Where are we going? You gonna go to your grandma's?" And he's referring to it on my mom's side. We know there, my dad wasn't welcome there, so of all his past so but he's like that's fine just take the kids i'll go find a place for myself so from there again we you know we slept in the, the living room for a little while until again they realized you know we're going to be there for a while so ever since then uh fifth grade i kind of lived in the north side area which you know hsd went to you know peter janoski right down the street and in Burbank middle school uh close over there by sam houston and i was actually I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you adam i mean because i mean and this is getting us a little bit off topic but just just for for listeners that are familiar with the houston area like when you said north side to me originally i pictured like north side high school like jeff davis the old jeff davis but i was looking at kind of where you were telling me it's you, you're kind of like further north than that yeah so it's like in between north side and sam houston is is the north side that's the north side we, okay okay yeah, yeah i guess you know i used to tell coach willard that he's like what does that mean he's like that's not the north he's north is way up there. like i was like nah man it's so the were you zoned what we call it yeah, I know you end up going to Waltrip. We'll get into that in a second. But were you originally zoned to Sam Houston, or were you yeah, always? I was, I was supposed to go to Sam. I was supposed okay. to go to Sam. Uh, I've actually missed the deadlines to apply to Waltrip, and so my plan was to either apply to Waltrip or Booker T for their engineering program. Uh, me being a procrastinator, I kind of missed the deadline. And my buddy's like, "Hey, you gonna do you ever register?" I was like, "Nah, I'll do it tomorrow." He said, "Dude, the deadline was yesterday." I was like, "Oh, I guess I'm going to Sam Houston with the rest of my friends." <laughs> yeah. And my algebra one teacher heard me, and she said, "What?" No, you're not going out. You're not going to Sam Houston. You're too smart for Sam Houston. Where are you trying to go? And I said, you're the Booker T or Waltrip. And then she said, okay, great. My, my husband is the assistant principal of Waltrip. I'll get you in. She gave me some paperwork the next day. Two days later, she said, you're in. I was like, great. That's <laughs> so awesome. It just kind of all worked out. And, and you are Mr. Waltrip. I mean, obviously now you, you've been over 10 years. <laughs> 
assistant football head girl soccer coach. You, you can't see him right now, but he's got his old high school jersey on, old number 79. <laughs> he's got the Walter Pat. I mean, he, he is Mr. Ram uh, through and through. But, you know, before we go on to that, I just one last thing on, on your story, because, I mean, I share with my listeners, you know, I had and my old students, like I had, I had a rough, you know, relationship with my dad growing up and I saw some domestic disputes at the house and things of that nature. I can relate to what you're talking to, you know, when you're trying to go to sleep and you just hear fighting and you got to go to school the next day and you're, you didn't sleep, you're angry, you just want to get out of the house, get to school where you feel safe and loved by your coaches. So that's a big reason why I started this podcast, you know, your transparency, man, the courage that you have to speak so openly about the things that, that you experienced, I just cannot imagine how powerful that is for your students. You know, you shared with me that your mom's sobriety date. And I love that you knew this date. You said she's been sober since January 2nd, 2003. I mean, that the fact that you rolled that off to me, I mean, that shows <laughs> that, that that's a mark of pride, right? An accomplishment. So just, you know, you, I know you mentioned your, your dad is, is serving a, a prison sentence, but he, he may be out on parole here in the next year. Just, I'm just curious yeah. about that. Like, what, what, do you yeah, t- just- what do you tell your kids? about all so about like, your experience you know one of the so one of the biggest things like um i guess you know a story that i share with with my students and yeah, i'm usually a little lengthier but I'll, I'll keep it short but basically one summer my, my brother and sister decided to go to my dad in corpus christi i didn't want to go because it's hot and i was a fat kid and i wanted to play video games in the ac they were only supposed to go for the weekend end up being the whole summer well so i'm there by myself my mom there's this uh lakewood church used to do those little camp things every summer and I went the previous years with my brother, but because he was my brother and my sister, we always did everything. No matter what happened, I was the oldest. My brother was two years younger than me, my sister two years younger than him. So we're all, you know, and I kind of watched over them all and tried, helped out. And so we were all, everything, no matter what happened, we always kind of stuck together. So that was the first time we were apart. My mom said, hey, you're going to go to that camp. I said, no, I'm not. My brother's not going. I'm not going. You're going to go to camp. I was like, I'm not going to camp. Next day, I was packing my stuff and going to camp. And when I go to camp, when I come back, my grandma picks me up. And which was crazy because my grandma doesn't drive far, especially like on freeway. So uh, I was like, hey, where's mom? And she didn't say anything. I said, grandma, where's my mom? And then she didn't say anything. So I go to the house. I'm looking, mom, 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 mom. Go, where are you at? Where are you at? And then uh, my grandma's like, she's gone again. And I was like, ah. And yeah. so that's how it kind of be. Just like one weekend, she would just get up and go. Um, she would sometimes it last a weekend. Sometimes it lasts a month, a year. We never knew. I remember, I remember there's times we'd drive around, look, you know, go into all these little, those little uh, uh, motels or whatever that are known for the drug stuff. They had like little tents in one area, Houston. And then, you know, one day we, were, we couldn't find her anywhere. So we we're looking through ditches trying to, you know, see if she would end up somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, and that was just, again, her addiction to drugs and partying and, you know, trying to get away from it and, uh, everything. And I just remember that night I was just, you know, I just started sobbing. I was crying. My grandma, you know, had to come see me and you know she heard me she came in the room and she's like what's going on I was like you know how come my mom doesn't love me and like you know what do you tell you know a 10 year old at a time crying so she just kind of I remember she just kind of held me in her arms and just kind of you know patted my hair back when I had hair and uh and you know until I fell asleep and then that was like the next day was like okay I saw like at this point that's when I kind of just saw the big picture just like you know I'm gonna do everything I can to to put myself in a situation where I never have to put my you know future kids or whatever in a situation like that so I just anchor down on on you know education like you said sports was kind of my outlet so football was a lot a, a good way for me to release a lot of your your anger because you still yeah. got the anger issues you still you know parents are not there and and but you know it helped keep me focused help you know get that anger out in a positive way instead of like punching walls like I used to and stuff like that you know that's not good and yeah, so that, that was, that was basically it, you know, that was, you know, like I said, 
my soft and she would, my mom would come back she would go to rehab she would do well for about three months i'm done with everything i'll be back and then she go back to using again she relapsed and so my sophomore junior year is when she said um, i'm back for sure and i was like, yeah whatever but that time you know i'm like i'm a grown-ass man you know i don't need you you know but she didn't she ended up doing it and like i said she's been sober since you know we have a great relationship now I'm super proud of my mom. She'll come and help with the soccer team from time to time. And awesome. she'll give the girls her number and say, if he's ever mean to y'all, y'all call me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like and something so, my mom would do. Man, I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying chopping it up with you, Adam. I feel like you and me are cut from the same cloth. we got so many similarities, man. But um, I mean, I, I, think I think it's so powerful. When I, when I transport myself back to those days that I was having those struggles, like I always just felt like I was alone, like no one else was experiencing yeah. what I was experiencing, that everyone else had the picture perfect families. And I, I think I think this is not the case. I think so many kids are struggling and you always think you're alone. So I think you with everything you've accomplished, which we'll get into here later in the show. But I think that's just so powerful for kids that are they do feel alone. Like they're the only one you can share that. No, it happened to me, too. And I, I made it out. All right. But yeah. Hey, you made it, man. You, you, you gave us a background how you ended up uh, settling in at Waltrip. Uh, I, I've, I've, I'm not far. I'm in the area. I live kind of in the area, you know, so I've, I've been hanging around Waltrip and seeing a lot of, uh, you know, I knew Coach Wright when he was there and then Coach Wheeler and now Coach Kurt. You guys do such a great job. But tell us, take us back into the mid-2000s when you were going through Waltrip. Who was your coach and, and how did you enjoy your experience at Waltrip? Yeah, so Coach Zook, who he's kind of the, the wall trip legend. It's kind of, you know, once I decided to go to coaching, that's kind of who I wanted to be. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be the Coach Zook there for 25 plus years or whatever it was and just kind of have my own little legacy. Uh, and so Coach Zook was our head coach. He kind of led everything. Coach Jones was our offensive coordinator. Coach Cox was my lineman coach. And, you know, he, he spent a lot of time with us. We used to do uh, – ice cream Wednesdays, which I, whenever I was the old line, I kind of took, did the same thing where we come together during the summer on a Wednesday, watch some film. And then he reward us with, you know, ice cream. So fat boy, you just got to offer some food and we're there. That's right. <laughs> Golden Corral so, was our, was our restaurant of choice back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had a couple of those too. And then, uh, but yeah, so we just, uh, those are, you know, and coach Daly was the linebacker coach when I was there and he's the one that ended up getting the head job at Waltrip and getting me over there uh, later on down the road. But, yeah, it was fun times, good times. Uh, we had the – and so Coach, for whatever reason, he was trying to put, like, the team above the individual. That was his message. Unfortunately, it doesn't work so well with that because they say, Walter, Rams, me. And they were just like, man, I don't, that's a little <laughs> – Walter, Rams, me. Uh, but I, we got the message. He made, like, at least 20,000 of those shirts because even when I became a coach, there, there were still hundreds of, coach, of those shirts left over from 20 years out. But – uh, yeah, it was, it was just a great experience, great bonding. I mean, you know, I love the two-a-days. We used to, uh, you know, go in the morning, and my buddy lived right down the street. we go down there. His mom would make us, like, that was the first time I knew what uh, um, romaine lettuce was and, and right. Uh, right. the seven-grain bread with the little nuts. And I was like, man, this is, like, fancy stuff. I thought that was only on the movies because uh, uh, we're used to the 89-cent loaves and iceberg lettuce. <laughs> right, 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 right. But now they have the legit stuff. So we eat those, play some Madden. And then go back and finish it off at the second two a day. So who, who was y'all big big rival at the time? Uh I would say Cashmere. Cashmere okay. was kind of our, our big rival. Cashmere. Um, they're the Rams as well, aren't they? Yeah, they were the fighting Rams. Okay. One and one year we I think yeah. we shared the cold district championship. Nice, um, yeah. obviously we had Reagan back then, but they weren't very good when we were there. And so we used to kind of beat up on them. Um and Scarborough, but again, sure. not too much competition sure, was sure. back then. <laughs> yeah scarborough is one of those programs that really interests me i mean it's kind of they, they've had a real long period of of struggle but 
did, is that you saw the same thing just we're having trouble getting 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 kids out and struggle to compete when you were in high school yeah i guess that yeah that's kind of what it was and, and washer whenever i was there we had kids from everywhere because again i was from burbank and right. a lot of those the grade above me was really really good that that senior group right above mine or the 2004 group um they had a lot of Burbank kids in there too, Burbank, Black, Clifton. So they, we kind of came from everywhere at Walter. I don't know how that ended up happening, but it, it just kind of did. So you end up, you, you, you played all four years of football. You had a great football career um, under coach Zook. And then you, you also did, you also paid attention to your studies, man. You told me you had a 4.4 GPA and this, <laughs> this is where the differences between you and me maybe end. I, I was a pretty good student, but I could not, I mean, the similarities may end. Uh, I was pretty good, but I, I was not rocking a 4.4 GPA and number 10 in my class yeah. so you kind of had your pick of the litter uh so to speak for to go to college and you ended up seeing that with AM, texas a&m university with, with your you know excellent academic record you're able to kind of get essentially it, it paid for and so your first stop for college was at was in college station and then you made the decision after some time to come back closer to home and return to u of h like i said you're you're pretty houston through and through from everything i can see so just tell, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your, your college experience and, and, and some of the the choices you made there yeah, so my my best friend, the one we used to go eat the sandwich we were on the street, uh, Travis. Uh, he, you know, he came from you know, not a really wealthy family, but they were, you know, they were very they're older parents, and they had everything uh, set for him. They had a savings for his college. Like I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and you know, he had a great, you know, to me, he had a great life. He had the, you know, the perfect home that I kind of always wished I had. And so, but we were best friends. And his older, I think his mom went to A and M, and so. His brother was already at AM, so they he took they took us on a little trip our senior year. I remember that we went up there and did a little college visit. And uh and yeah, so coming out, like I was Texas Lutheran was one of the schools wanted me for football, but because it's division three, they couldn't offer any uh, athletic scholarship. They gave me some academic, but at the end of the day, I was still having to pay, I think, five to eight thousand dollars a year. Right. Well, I had already I got, you know, I went went ahead and, and you know, I, uh did that missions for AM got accepted but I was like man I don't know how I'm paying for this either and you know like I said my time at the time my mom was back and she was you know trying to be you know the parents she's like well how about it's like one of her only bright ideas but she said why don't we just go up to AM and see what they can do for us and I was like you know that's not a bad let's go so we went up there we did we scheduled appointment to the financial advisors and um you know I had won a couple of scholarships from from Waltrip already and then they gave me the first generation scholarship and a couple of others with then with my grants and all that Everything was paid for, three thousand dollar refund check each semester, and so when it came down to it, I was like, I'm probably not going to go to the NFL. I didn't think I was going to be a coach because uh, I was already, you know, already doing engineering, and so I was like, it made more sense to go to AM for free sure. than to pay a bunch of money. And I, you know, kind of regret it a little bit, but you know, like I said, everything happens for a reason. It was great experience. I, I, I was in the same boat as you. Texas Lutheran was one of my top three schools along with Trinity yeah. and Austin college where I ended up deciding to go. Cause I just love the, the vibe there so much, but um, I don't say I regret it, but definitely, I mean, we have had to pay a lot of money, um, you know, <laughs> to, to have that experience. And so it's worth it. But I mean, I, I definitely, I wouldn't beat stuff up over <laughs> going to a and yeah, I don't like, yeah, like you said, I don't yeah. regret it, regret it. You know, it's kind of yeah. man, maybe whatever, but it is what it is. You know, like I said, I went to U of good. H. Yep. Yep. Um, I transferred back, came back home, went to U of H, which I love that campus so much better. So much, you know, so diverse and sure. You know, it's just such just a great campus, and uh, the classes I thought it was going to be easier because you kind of get that little stigma. A and M is way up here, and U of H is down there. Man, I failed my first calculus test at U of H just like I did A and M. So, you know, I realized <laughs> I had to step it up a notch and everything. Uh, you know, I ended up graduating magnum cum laude at, at U of H, so that was another kind of uh, good thing. And while I was there, that's when I decided, you know, I just I want to go to coaching. Like, 
I don't see myself in the office. Like, like you said, so many coaches kind of did things for me and kind of were, you know, major roles in me growing up, you know, and I've always was been a teacher, even like in high school, you know, people were always asking me to help them with their math because that was my strong thing. And, you know, I loved, I enjoyed teaching mine. And she's like, well, how come Lynch didn't say like this? I was like, I don't know, but this is how, this is how I learned, you know, this is how I figured it out and here you go. And so that's why I decided to switch and I went straight to the kids in the audience and said, hey, I want to be a coach, what do I got to do? And they gave me my options and I just went, went from there. So your first teaching stop after you decided to make the switch was at North Forest High School. And another similarity, when I, my first year of teaching, I was at Clearbrook and I was just a teacher. I was not a coach at that time. And I always think back and I wonder, because I struggled so much as a teacher, I actually came in in January. So I came in mid-year, so that was really <laughs> tough. Um, I, I, I honestly thought about getting out of the profession at that time and then went on to an 11-year career coaching. But, um, you know, I just, it, it's very difficult to, be, to go from college student to leading a classroom. And sometimes I look back on, I think the coaching maybe almost made it easier for me in a way, because I yeah. was forced to have my time management. I had those connections as a coach. But just tell me a little bit, what, what was your first year teaching at North Forest like? Yeah, and how, did, how did you eventually get into coaching? Yeah, it was crazy because, again, so I graduate. Obviously, you graduate in May or whatever from college. Well, then you got to go through the certification process, which, you know, that's about a two-month process. So about time everything was – and then I had to take my tests. And then, like, you know, a lot, I was going in for math, uh, thanks to Kozuk. That's what he kind of recommended I do is, just, you know, make myself more, yeah. you know, marketable. Yep. And uh, and so the test was super hard. So I spent, like, three four weeks just studying for that test alone. So about time I took the test – and then got the, the results back that I passed. Uh, it was already like August, like August 1st. So I'm like, crap, like school starts in two weeks. I need a job, you know? <laughs> um, and so it, North Forest was, you know, the first ones to call me back. I didn't want to risk it. So I just said, yes, and let's go. And they said, you know, they pretty, pretty much hired me on the spot. And they said, all right, here's your pre-cal book. You're going to be teaching pre-cal. Uh, the lady next door, she can help you if you need it, which was an older 70-year-old lady that they ended up running out the second year. <laughs> while I was there and then like good luck basically right. and I was like oh my god what am I doing and so you're right, right. like and then being 23 at the time you know teaching pre-cal which was seniors they're 18 years old so you're not much older than them and you know I try to keep my age you know luckily I have the beard and everything try to keep my age a little older one of them found me on Facebook and said no -uh, you're 23 years old man you, my brother older than you I gotta listen to you <laughs> I was like well you don't have to listen to me but I can still fail you and then yeah. So, but it, it was all it, it was fine like I said it was survival mode first year sure. but like you said coaching definitely does help because then now my my teaching is just a lot like my coaching very structured very boom here we're gonna do this then we're gonna do that, that and then you know in you're in you're out and so uh but yeah definitely the first year was that was that was something else at, at North Force. <laughs> so you were an assistant you ended up you ended up like coming out for spring ball helping coach a little bit then the next year you came on to his staff at North Forest as an O-line coach and he told you hey I need you to be a head coach too for the boys soccer team. And, you know, you shared with me that, you know, as accomplished as a soccer coach, as you are, you, you played American football. You had no, you did not know much about soccer. So tell me kind of how is, how did that news sit with you? Yeah. So like, like I said, growing up, basketball was my actual sport. I remember my cousin telling me, you know, I was, you know, when they asked you in the second grade, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mine was NBA, you know, center, like Hakeem Olajuwon. I remember sharing that with one of my older cousins. He basically bullied me into playing football because he said, man, how many fat, chubby Mexicans do you see playing basketball? And I was like, I'm looking in there. I couldn't find one, obviously. <laughs> Not a chubby one, at least. And he was like, you better stick to something else. And then that's when I switched to football. So I had no soccer background. You know, I played it with, you know, our neighbors from time to time, but I didn't know what I was doing. No organized soccer. Yeah, he told me I need you to be a head soccer. I said, 
coach, look, I know I'm Mexican and all, but uh, I don't know <laughs> hardly anything about soccer. <laughs> not yeah. enough to coach it, at least. So that's all right. These boys are, they're not disciplined. They're all over the place. Some of them are in gangs and whatnot. It's like, I just need you to be, di- get them disciplined, get them acting right, and then give me a kicker or two every year. And I don't care what your win-loss record is. As long as they're doing that, you're fine with me. I said, all right, coach, <laughs> that's what you want. And uh, sure enough, I did get them two kickers. And uh, I was, was going to ask you, did you get the kicker? <laughs> did you deliver the bag at them? <laughs> I, I said, now, discipline-wise, they were better. Uh, yeah. Not perfect. Uh, one of them ended up robbing the, right. the concession area when, while we were in between games or whatnot. But, right, right. Uh, but no, it, it, was, it was definitely – a different experience. <laughs> Very cool. So then at that time, you know, your former linebacker coach, Coach Daly, gives you a call, you know, a guy that you had a great relationship with. And he said, hey, I think I'm going to get this head job at Walter, but I'd like you to come over. H- how was that news for you? Yeah, oh, I was ecstatic. I, as you know, that's, again, my whole dream was to be like this, you know, Coach Zook. And, you know, obviously I got to get there first before I can be the Zook. So when uh, Coach Daly said, hey, I need some guys I could trust. I know you're in the coaching. I, you know, I know your work ethic and everything. You know, I'd love to have you on the staff. And I was like, man, and what, what the hard part was, North Forest, you know, you, you spent that whole year and a half basically building a relationship with your boys, your, your alignment. And, you know, uh, I had some, there's some issues there where, you know, I had to go, you know, help some boys out, drop them off, you know, things like that. And um, so you build those relationships. And then on top of that, we we're going to be good that next year. I already knew we were going to be good. And so it's like, man, do I really, but I didn't know if the opportunity would come again. I didn't know how long. So, I went ahead and jumped on it. And uh, the head coach at North Forest, he wasn't obviously wasn't too happy about it. Uh, we ended up playing each other that that following year and he, they beat the crap out of us. And, well, because Adam, yeah. I was going to say my my first year that we had varsity at Ridgepoint, we played North Forest Yeah. in the playoffs. And I remember they were undefeated and they beat us. And so yeah. I, I I remember North Forest at that time, definitely. They, they were. Yeah, uh, they had, they had some dudes when I was there too. So, I mean, when I was coaching there. And so, like I said, they went undefeated in district that year after I left my first year in Waltrip. Uh, I think they went two two rounds deep in the playoffs before losing by in overtime or something like that. So now you're coaching O line again uh, at at Walter at your alma mater. You know you're feeling comfortable being back at home, but you get you get asked again for your second sport again. It's a head coaching position and it's soccer, but this time it's girls soccer. So I'm I'm curious, how was it different the one year that you coached boys at North Forest versus you know your first year coaching girls at Walter? Yeah, the crazy part was uh, I didn't know it was girls. He just told me, I need you to coach either soccer or track. And I was like, well, my big ass can't do track because I don't know anything about track. So I was like, well, I already did boys soccer. You know, I, did, I just told him I did soccer last year. He said, okay, good. It wasn't until like a, like a couple of weeks prior to season. I was like, oh, wait, you mean girls soccer? He's like, yeah, what did you think I meant? I was like, well, I don't know. I just assumed you're talking about the boys. He's like, no, they already have a coach. I need a girls coach. I was like, yeah, it was weird. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't know. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know if I could still just, you know, be the way I am with the boys or, you know, do I have to change my demeanor a little bit? Like, it, you know, a lot of trial and error for sure. I remember when we were stretching, I had them stretching like in football, you know, football, you get a bunch of lines, about four to five in each line and you blow the whistle, right? When soccer is like two long lines, it's more, I guess, finesse type stretching. And I had them doing football, uh, you know, warm up drills and all that. I remember one of the girls, he's like, Coach, do you think we can uh, warm up like a soccer team this week? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, that's all I knew. So that's all you know. That's that's all I could do. And we we won the first game against Heights uh, back then with Reagan. And you know that was, again that was a big rival school for us. And I was like, yes, this is gonna be great. Won the first. They were a tough team that year too. We beat them. And after that, we lost every single game. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my God. I am so bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> but I love what you shared with me though, Adam, is that like, and, and to me, this speaks to who you are as a person. You, you kind of got that like grindhouse mentality. This is what you told me. This is what you, you, you messaged me the other night that at, yeah, you lost all those games in a row, but you started talking to your soccer friends. Okay. You started, you bought soccer DVDs off like coach's choice or something. You started finding YouTube videos. You went to soccer lectures at Texas High School Coaches Association seminars, and you try to learn as much as you could. I mean, that for any young coaches listening, th- th- this is gold right here. Please talk to, to all the young coaches or, or anyone in any profession. Just that that mentality where you took something that you were foreign to, and you've you 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 were so hungry for knowledge. Talk about that, Adam. Yeah, it kind of it came from you know my grandpa was just you know he said if you're ever gonna do something you know don't you know don't have buddies like you're gonna go all in or don't do it at all that was kind of what he, he always kind of told us and he's like and if you're gonna put your name on it you know you gotta take some pride into it so those kind of things kind of trigger over like yeah this is you know obviously my at the time my main sport was football and soccer was my secondary sport and uh, but you know it one my name's on it it needs to be good and two like it's, it's not right to those girls who yep. they're expecting someone who, who's competent in their in their area so yeah right away i was like you know one of the boys coach uh, for the soccer team i got with him and, and got a couple of notes from him i had a couple of friends like i said who played soccer growing up and so i got some notes from them um you know one that same boys coach gave me a dvd and so then once i saw that i went and purchased more on it and just kind of learning different systems uh just kind of basics of the fundamentals. And then, um, you know, YouTube, of course, just, but you know, you, you can be on YouTube for days and there's a bunch of good stuff on there, a bunch of not so good stuff there. So it's a lot of just cycling through like, no, that's no good, that's no, but you're still looking through everything. You're still spending hours doing it. And like I said, going to those seminars and just any time I could just, just trying to learn. Um, and that was kind of, you know, my biggest thing. And I just, well, I want to get better and better. So, you know, we can start competing and, and give these girls something they deserve. Adam, I was just like you, man, growing up. I was a chubby kid, but I was a, a little pudgy kid that thought he was a hooper. I grew up the <laughs> exact same way um, as you did. And so I love basketball. I love basketball. I mean, I, I wish I, I wanted to be a baller, man. But um, <laughs> so when I was coaching, I always asked, you know, uh, Brett Sniffman was my mentor at Ridgepoint. I'd always, I'd always request basketball. Like I always wanted basketball as my second sport. Sometimes I did track as a third sport, but I always had basketball with me. And I think the other coaches, including Coach Stiffen, thought I was crazy because, I mean, I was a defensive coordinator on a really good football team, and we'd be advancing into the playoffs and have a big game, and I would look at the time that I need to report to the field house for our playoff game, and I was like, Coach, you mind if I go to my, my freshman B team scrimmage? Because I, I can still make it back in time, but I want to be at the scrimmage because, you know, we're starting our season. I want to be in it. People yeah. looking at me like, Kovo, we got a playoff game today, <laughs> man. Why are, you, why are you worried about, you know, your freshman B or your sophomore team? And I, But that was I was like you, man. I said, my name's on that. I have aspirations that when our football season's over, we're going to win the district championship in this, in this basketball team, you know? And so I, right. I, I want to be there for every step that I can. If I, if the time is allotted, I'm, I will be back. I will report in time for our game, but I, you know, so I, I love hearing that Adam and I, I was exactly the same way. Um, <laughs> now let's talk about though. You say you, you went from knowing nothing and, and Googling stuff and, and buying DVDs to now you've watched your fourth district championship in five years, eight straight playoff appearances, you grew this program from 22 girls to when you started all up to 90 girls pre-COVID. And now, you know, COVID has kind of settled it back down. So now you're in the 50s range. But w- did you ever see this coming, man? Did you see yourself getting to the top of the mountain? How does it feel to, to, to be there? Yeah, so like, you know, yeah, I definitely didn't see this coming. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you want to win and you want to do well. And, you know, um, 
you know, because I am, I'm basically the only, you know, I'm the only coach on campus, you know, every year I get another assistant. Uh, I have one that I've had for four years, but he's at an elementary school. So he can only come over during the season. And, uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's your baby, you know, like I love football. I love what I do with the football teams, but you know, at the end of the day, I got to report to, you know, I got to help the coach hit the head coach, get, you know, fulfill his dreams and what, and you know, how he visions the program. With this one, it's like, okay, this is mine. Like, I can, you know, I can grow it. I can groom it. I can do whatever I, you know, what I think is best. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's just an awesome feeling to get the program. Like, at one point, we had we had almost twice as many numbers than football in, in, in Texas. Like, I, and it's a girls' soccer sport, you know, like, no no one, you know, would, would have thought that. We had 87 girls at the be- – or 94 girls at the beginning of the year and dropped down to about 87. Um, but three teams going and, and just – it's tiresome. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, but I, I wanted to keep the same approach that we do in football. We don't cut guys in football. And so I'm not going to cut girls. You know, I, I just, it would make my life a lot easier to cut girls and have only two teams since I am limited on coaches. But at the same time, if my freshman year in high school, if they cut, if they cut kids, I probably would have got cut. I was not, you know, again, I was chubby. I was big, but I wasn't, I didn't move well, you know, like I wasn't strong. And so, you know, but because my coach didn't cut me and he kind of, you know, they, they spent some time with me and, and I bought into the program by my senior year, you know, squatting over 550 pounds, you know, over 320, like all that stuff. And it's just because, you know, so, and then again, just, I didn't really, I just needed a sport. I needed something to keep me busy. I needed something to keep me on the right track and just to kind of, you know, be that almost that the father figures for me, because again, my dad wasn't really around. And so as a, as a soccer coach now, I don't want to cut girls because even if they're not the best, they just they just may need something to keep them from doing something dumb or to keep them on track or to help, you know, to help, you know, change their lives slightly a little bit and, and get them going. So um, that's that's how it is now. And that's how, you know, I keep I have a, a buddy at, at Heights. He keeps telling me, man, you need, you need to go down to two teams, man. I don't know why you're doing it. You're, you're stressing yourself out. I'm like, I just I can't, man. I just I can't do it. No, I hear you on that coach. And, you know, for, for coaches that listen to this, I was curious about that. When you get your program up to 87 girls, it sounds like you don't have a coach with you during the athletic. Like, do you have an athletic period during the day or do you have one or two or how, how do you handle that number? Yeah, of girls? So it's, it's one athletic period and I'm the only coach in there, uh, you know, for whatever reason are, or even if I had an assistant on campus, they didn't want to put them in the period uh, because again, they're teachers first. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's it's hard. Um, again, it comes with again having that program and those standards set. Um, I have great girls who like older girls to help lead it. You know, uh, we, we do kind of like in football where early on we'll, we'll group them. We'll, I'll break them up into about nine, 10 groups. I'll put uh, a veteran girl on each, each line and give them a little, a second person to help them. And basically they're in charge. And, you know, if their line isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, then, you know, that's on them. And so when, you know, they, they realize quickly, like, all right, we got to get this together. So they helped me get those freshmen coming in and kind of get them to fall in line and, and, and get going with the program. But again, it comes from being structured every day. I send them the plan uh, minute by minute, what we're going to do that day, you know, what workouts we're going to do, what drills we're going to do. If it's something that's on YouTube, I'll send them a link to it. So everything's come from being very extremely structured, organized, and then they just, you know, eat it up. They fall in line. And again, my captains, my older girls, they help keep them, keep them doing what they're supposed to be doing and not all over the place. That's awesome. You've built that, that leadership there from the students. And, you know, one thing I, I wanted to talk about in the intro, but I got so excited just talking to you and, and seeing all the similarities <laughs> we had, I forgot to introduce the fact that you just recently won an award 
you know, oh, yeah. and it, you were nominated by coach Kurt, your head coach. He nominated you to the TH, THSCA, which is our coaching association across the state. Now this, this is a statewide award that, that you were featured for um, as coach of the week. And, you know, he just, he highlighted all the things that we've been talking about. Obviously he sees it in you as well. So can, can you speak to kind of how that, how that, how you feel to, to, to receive that honor? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing feeling. Um, like a few years back, I, I was the Texans coach of the week and was able to get some money for the football team. And then now for it to be recognized in the soccer field, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, I know it's very, it's just awesome. It's a great feeling. Uh, you know, I, I love coach Kurt. He's like I said, he's doing a great job, not with just the football team with he, but he's trying to get the whole athletic, um, all the athletic teams on the, on the map for Waltrip. And he does a great, great job of just, you know, be going to their games, talking to the coaches, doing everything. And so, you know, again, we don't do it for recognition. Like I said, coming from a lineman's background, you know, I'm okay with not getting recognition. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I just, you know, I, I want what's best for the team. You know, that's kind of always been my mindset. And, uh, but just to kind of get a little rich, especially again, some of the admin, they don't, you know, and, and teachers, they don't know what's going on. And so just to kind of bring a little light to the program and let them know that, hey, they are doing something special here at Waltrip is, is great for the school and great for the girls. Yeah, Adam, you know, the main reason I started this podcast is because coaches were my heroes growing up. Like we talked about earlier in the show, they were the ones that helped me get through some tough times. I always like highlighting the positive impact that coaches make on our communities and young people. And you take that to an, to the highest level, you know, sharing your, your personal history and helping kids that may be going through similar situations. But sometimes the one thing, and as much as I love athletics, sometimes I, I do, I'm a little little perturbed when I'm, I'm doing my broadcasting or, or whatnot. And I see parents that are just, focus on the wrong things in athletics and just complaining about coaches or playing time or this, that, and the other, just angry the whole time and yelling. And I mean, you know, I hope that parents also tune into this. That's another reason I do this for coaches so they can hear other coaches, you know, and and hear their perspectives, but I also want parents to see how professional our coaches are that that are working with their babies. You know, guys like yourself, Kendra Venzant last week and all the other guests that I want to bring on the show. Like I want them to see, because I think sometimes people assume oh, the coach doesn't know what he's doing. I know more than the coach. I just, what would you tell a parent? I think some parents are great, but some of them I think can almost hinder their child's athletic experience. What, what would you tell to parents as an advice on, on how to give their child the best athletic experience? Cause I, I can tell you had a great one growing up as a kid. Yeah. I mean, you know, for when and I, you know, I tell the parents in a parent meeting, I think, you know, they, they, most of the time they only have to worry about one, you know, obviously they have more kids, two or three, however many kids, but you know, they only have to worry about that kid in that sport at that moment. You know, I could, for me, when I have 87, I got to worry about 87 girls. Um, so I can't always do what's best for one individual. I got to, you know, the team always comes first. Um, and so I'm going to do what's, what's best for, for everybody. But at the same time, you know, we are human. We do, you know, we do make mistakes. I'm super into, you know, open communication. You know, come talk to me. If You know, I tell the girls all the time, if you feel like you deserve more playing time and you're not getting it, then, you know, come talk to me. And again, but I also let them all up front. This is what I'm looking for. And, and, you know, for playing time, you know, you got to be committed. But just because you're here, a lot of these kids nowadays, they just say, oh, because I showed up every day, then I deserve playing time. And it's you no, know, just because, you, you know, showing up's half the battle. You're right. But you still got to put in effort. You still got to, you know, you still got to go compete at a high level. And at the end of the day, I got to have confidence that you know what you're doing in the varsity game. And so um, I try to keep my varsity game teams real small. So that way I don't have five, six, seven girls just sitting on the bench doing nothing. JV games, every JV player plays, A and B team, um, just so they can get that experience and so they can get moving. I tell my JV coach all the time, I know y'all want to win. I want to win too, but 
you know, JVs for developing. So I want them to be, you know, I need everybody to play. They can't develop sitting on the bench. Uh, but yeah, as far as parents, just, you know, go talk to your coach, you know, let them know. Cause again, we have, we have tons of things going on too. Like we still got to teach. We still got families. We still got lives. And, you know, some of us have two sports. So, um, you know, we have a lot on our plates, but you know, I, I think open communication would be the number one key to kind of, if, if you are having issues or anything like that, as far as, um, you, you know, your kid developing, you know, just training and all those things, just get them more, more, you know, soccer, you know, we talk about just get touches. They just need touches on the ball. So they don't have to pay the thousands and thousands of Albion club. Just let them go get some touches and, and, and right. develop that way. You know, when I was growing up, like I told you, I was a real chubby kid. So I was kind of just put on the O-line in middle school. And then like when I got my freshman year, I was still chubby. And then sophomore year, I suddenly like, I don't know, like, hit puberty or whatever. And I just like <laughs> dropped to a rail. Like I suddenly yeah. like my metabolism took off. And so I was like 188 pounds as a sophomore and not strong. And, you know, <laughs> so I actually, I, my, I made varsity as a junior playing 5A, which is now 6A varsity football starting as a 195 pound guard. Right. <laughs> you know, so we, I was pulling all over the place and bear crawling and cutting people. So but you shared a kind of similar experience where like you, yourself, myself, we didn't walk into high school as like the dudes that coaches were drooling over. We were, right. I, I played JVB team as a sophomore. You sound like your experience was similar. I know last week, Kendra Ven, Venzant, you know, she was, she made varsity as a freshman and was ready, you know, ready to compete at that level. <laughs> I love the stories of guys like yourself or myself that, that weren't that great. So for any student athletes listening, you know, they, 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 they're not the, the, the gift, you know, the, you know, the, the people coaches are, are noticing. What, what advice would you give? Um, I guess really for any, any athlete, like what, what advice would you give, uh, you know, as, as they move up through the ranks in their athletic career? I mean, my, my advice would just be, you know, just enjoy and love the commitment. Like it, really, that's all it was. It's just, it's a year long commitment. Um, it doesn't have to, you know, a lot of people, when they think of commitment, especially the, again, kids nowadays, they're just, they think, Oh my God, well, I'm not going to have a life. I'm not going to be able to do anything you still have plenty of time for your TikToks and whatever else you want to do, you know, right. Um, you know, enjoy the one, two, it's just one or two hours a day. That's all it is. Um, and, and, you know, enjoy the commitment to it, the working on it. And then, you know, seeing the progression is what got me like, you know, as a chubby kid, you know, you flex all the time, ain't nothing there. And, but then after you're working out and working out, then, oh, okay. okay. And yep. so then those, those little small victories, you know, just, you know, embrace the small victories. And then over time, they're going to become larger victories. And so that was, you know, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed being with my friends. Like I said, that was my way of kind of getting away from the house. Um, again, a, a great out, outlet for, for anger and aggression. You know, what am I going to do? Sit at home and pout all day or no, let's go, let's go bang some iron around or let's go get on the field and, and run some plays or whatever. And let's, let's, you know, do something, you know, do something about it, I guess. So all right, Adam, would be my advice. We talked about your football career. We talked about your award, uh, you know, for your leadership for the soccer program. But I think the real reason people tuned into the team player podcast today was to listen to two former chubby offensive linemen <laughs> who think they're hoopers talk about NBA basketball. So that's what we're about to do. We're going to play our game. We played last week of Kendra. We're going to play our favorite game that I, I took from my, my mentors of the Knucklehead podcast. Shout out Q, uh, Q Rich and D Miles. The game of start, bench, cut. So I'm going to give you three names. So you got to start one. You got to bench one. You got to cut one. So basically, I'm asking you to rank them in order of, of, of who you think here. I'm going to start because I, I already think I know the answer to this question. I'm going to start with your hero that you told me, Dream, Hakeem Olajuwon. Okay. So we got Dream. We got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because I'm raising the bar here. And then I'm, I always, I'm curious about this one, Shaq. 
and I, and I know, yeah, and I, I know you're going to, I know we all saw, you know, uh, Hakeem put in work against Shaq in, in the 95 finals, but I'm talking all these guys at their prime. So I'm talking big diesel Shaq when he, when he's with the Lakers and Jack Phil Jackson made him eat right and lose weight. And he, you know, he was, he was zeroed in and stopped, you know, did all his commercials for a year. Give me those three at their prime dream, Abdul Jabbar, Shaq start bench cut. So obviously I'm going to start Hakeem Olajuwon. That's hey, I knew it. My favorite player right. of all time. So, you know, I think he's, you know, I think he's greater than Shaq. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and bench Shaq. So this is where I'm probably going to get a bunch of. You might get, yeah, you have Twitter or whatever. <laughs> But and here's here's my reason why again in his in his prime he's just he didn't have the best skill obviously he wasn't the most finesse center or anything but he, he's dominant and you can't yeah. you couldn't stop him at all so uh, and then also you know he he's around my time my era so sure. I'm gonna use that as my little that's fair <laughs> you and I you and I didn't get to see Kareem in action right and so of, you know yeah, I got I to see it. the highlights and stuff I on YouTube so so obviously he'd be the one I, I'd have to cut but all right it, so just narrow. Just get get your get your tweets ready for you know at a Ramirez. <laughs> so no, no, I'm just kidding. So we got Dream Start. We're gonna bench Shaq, and we're gonna unfortunately gonna have to cut Kareem. Oh my God! All right, I know you're a big man. You know you and I both like like the big guys. So I got another one for you. We keep a little bit of a rocket spin here, but we'll go Yao Ming. Mm. But I also know you're a '90s guy, so I also want to throw in there David Robinson, the Admiral, mm. and Patrick Ewing. Mm. So I got three centers for you. I got. I got Yao Ming, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, star bench cut. And these are in their primes. No uh, at their prime, yes. Every single one <laughs> at their prime when healthy. Man, that, that was tough. Um, I'm probably, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Houston. You can't go wrong with Houston. I'm going to go Yao Ming starting. I could tell uh, you like skilled centers. You like highly skilled yes. centers. You, that, yeah. Korea, uh, and, out of, yeah, yeah. and then out of David Robinson and Patrick, I'm going to lean. I just think, again, I think David was a little bit more skilled than Patrick Ewing, so I'm going to go bench David, cut Ewing. Okay. There we go. So <laughs> last one. This is going to be an all-H right. town edition. This is an all-H town edition. So from the H, and you're a Cougar, so we got a Cougar alum here. I think uh, he went to Sterling High School in HISD. Clyde Drexler. Mm. So we got Clyde the Glide, we got T Mac, and we mm. got James Harden. Ooh, couple generations here, big time scores from the H. We got Clyde Drexler, T Mac, James Harden. Start bench. Coming. In the prime, I mean, I remember it was a debate who's better, T Mac or Kobe. Like I, re- I know T Mac in his prime was like, you know, the most legit um, man. I'm going to go, I'm going to start skill wise. I think James Harden is better than both. I think that's hands down. Uh, but what he, the way he kind of mows it on his way out and he, he knocks down my level a little bit. So I'm going to go T-Mat starting Drexler on the bench. And since you don't want to be here, then you can go ahead and get cut. Pack your bags, James. <laughs> All right. I'm with you. I, I get you. I get you. All right, man, Adam, this was fun chopping it up with you, man. I'm so thankful for you and what you're doing out there at Waltrip. Please take a moment for all my team players tuning in today. Take a moment to give us five stars and leave a review. The review can be very short. I'm really looking for the stars. I need the stars to move up those rankings so we can <laughs> we can get more uh, people listening to this and hearing these great stories of coaches in their communities. Hit that follow button uh, to subscribe and hear more stories of coaching and leadership as soon as they come out. So I'll try to put these out weekly if I can. I'll do my best to do that. But anytime a new episode comes out, if you're following us, you'll, you'll get that on your list of podcasts. 
Join the Team Player Revolution by sharing stories from your community about coaches that made a difference in your lives. Email us at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. Who knows? We may read your story at the end of an episode, or maybe your story will be the inspiration for a new episode of the show. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players that I am very proud of. Cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. If you need any graphic design work, again, reach out at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com, and I will connect you. He is excellent. And our uh, intro and exit music is Avrion's One More Good Enough. That's my favorite uh, track off of his album, uh, Avrion. And uh, I listen to this most mornings to get my day started right. You can find him on all music platforms by searching for Avrion. That's spelled A-V-R-I-O-N. Big thanks again uh, to our guest, Adam Ramirez. I want to give you your flowers, Coach, man. You've been awesome. Uh, you're just doing such a great job, both football uh, and, and, and girls soccer. So just happy to have you as part of the community. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch you all down the road. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy, and this 